Go ahead and turn to the Gospel of John. We're continuing on in our series in John. And I hope this morning will leave us with more questions than answers, questions that we have to uh, uh, dig deep and, and search for in our own hearts and lives. Um, you, you may have heard me over the last number of weeks talk about this video series, The Chosen, that has uh, on, on the life of Jesus that we've been blessed to follow along with. It's free. Um, you, can, you can find it on YouTube or they're, they're trying to encourage everybody to, to uh, get the app, but it's absolutely free and it's on the life of Jesus. But one of the interesting things here, as we've gone into season two, one of the scenes, and I'm not going to give you a spoiler alert or anything, um, but the director, Dallas Jenkins, talked about the fact that uh, this, this particular scene was kind of near and dear to him in his own life. Uh, because, see, as a director, he wanted to make movies for God. And he had had a couple of, uh, of small successes, and then he got an opportunity to, to release a major film uh, that was going to be uplifting and inspiring and humorous all at the same time. And this was going to be his big debut into the uh, motion picture industry. Uh, I don't know if you saw the, the film. It was called The Resurrection of Gavin Stone. I did not personally see it, but basically it flopped at the box office. And so to Dallas Jenkins, he's like, well, this is it. That was it. That was my shot. I'm done. Um, I, had the, I had this big dream to make movies for God. And that was kind of the nail in the coffin. Uh, my, my directing career is over. What am I going to do with the rest of my life? And, and he, he struggled with the sense of, God, you know, I was doing this for you. Why did this fall apart? Why aren't things going the way they should? And struggled with that for, for a period of time. And then God put another idea in his heart, a new idea, a strange idea. Uh, to do a multi-episode series on the life of Jesus, something that hadn't been done before. And following up on that idea, it has become the most successful uh, crowdfunded media project ever. They have raised, for the first two seasons, they've raised close to $20 million. Uh, th this is... This is crowdfunded. This is people out there that have donated to make sure that this series continues to run. They can shoot more episodes. And they're, they're currently raising money for season three. Um, just incredible, incredible. 97% of Google users uh, rate it a thumbs up. With 97% of anybody. <laughs> it's fantastic, right? Uh, IMDb, the Internet Movie Database, rates at a 9.7 out of 10. Uh, and, and they rate, you know, all kinds of major uh, motion pictures and things. 
the other one, the, the, critic, the movie critical uh, site, uh, Rotten Tomatoes, gives it 100%. Uh, just phenomenal, phenomenal success with this uh, uh, media project. And the, but the interesting thing was he thought he was done, right? And it wasn't until he came to the end of his dream that God brought him into a new one. And the point is, sometimes we have to let go of one thing to grab on to something better. I want to entitle the message this morning, Letting Go and Grabbing Hold. It can be hard to let go, can't it? Plans that we have, routines, you know, that we and the older we get, the more settled we get, don't we? We like things that are familiar and comfortable. But sometimes those very things can keep us from something greater or maybe even keep us from the plan that God has for our lives. We talked last week about the choice that Jesus had to make. Uh, Mary and Martha send word to him, your, your good friend Lazarus, he's deathly ill. We need you to come and heal him. And he had a choice, didn't he? To rush, right, to Bethany to, to heal his friend Lazarus or to wait where he was and let him die. We talked about two perspectives, the earthly perspective versus the heavenly perspective. And we saw what happened because of that decision, right? Lazarus, instead of just being healed, was raised from the dead, right? Huge, huge miracle. And then John eleven forty five says, many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. So not only a much bigger miracle, right? But much greater fruit, more changed lives, right? And then going on to verse 46, it says, but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council together and said, what are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. Now, according to scholar Craig Keener in the Bible background commentary, their concern was legitimate. It was one validated by history. It was attested to by the Jewish historian Josephus, uh, because those who were perceived as political messiahs not only threatened the council's own power, but also the stability of all Judea as well. Since the Romans accepted only one king, obviously, Caesar, proclaiming any other king only invited the Roman army to come and to intervene. So, yes, they were, in a sense, trying to protect their nation, trying to protect their temple, trying to protect their whole way of life, which was centered around the worship of the one true God. But in their zeal to hold on to what they had, they missed God himself, didn't they? They missed what God was doing. I remember years ago hearing a testimony from Pastor Chuck Smith. You may have heard that name, who 
turned one Calvary Chapel church in the 60s in California into a whole worldwide association. Now, Chuck Smith had a nice church, had a good congregation, right? Um, And then suddenly there in the 60s, the Jesus movement happened, right? And all these hippies began to get saved. And suddenly, all these weirdly dressed, long-haired, barefoot teenagers started flooding into his church. And as Chuck said, getting their dirty feet all over the new carpet they had just bought. So initially, by his own admission, Chuck was rather perturbed about this. Ah, we just got this carpet, right? And so he's praying one day, and the Lord spoke to his heart, and he said, Chuck, what do you want, kids or carpet? Wow. So Chuck Smith had to let go of what was in order to grab a hold of what God was doing, right? Now, think about that for a minute. Our church... First Baptist Church of Manchester, been around for almost 225 years. Matter of fact, there's a committee forming to plan a celebration, uh, which is going to be awesome. Um, and if you want to be a part of that, get a hold of Paul Metz. Uh, but let me ask you this, and, and this, is, this is hypothetical, but what if the deacons took a season to fast and to pray and to seek the Lord and all gathered in front of the church and made an announcement one Sunday morning and said, we believe that God is telling us to leave this building and start meeting in a storefront 10 miles down the road. Ooh. Or what if similarly they said, you know, um, we've been seeking the Lord and we believe that God wants us to take that whole addition that we built and turn it into a homeless shelter. The question is this, would we be willing to even entertain such thoughts? I mean, who does the church really belong to, right? God. Shouldn't we be taking our lead from him, whatever he wants to do? What if God has a plan to bring incredible revival. I'm talking hundreds or thousands of people coming to Christ. Lives changed. The whole Finger Lakes area transformed by the power of God. But what if being a part of what he wants to do doesn't look like anything we've done before? Now, I'm not talking about getting away from the Bible or the gospel of Jesus Christ, or orthodox beliefs of the church. No, 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 not even in the slightest. But I'm talking about the ways in which that gospel is communicated to this generation. What if he calls us to do things we've never done before, in ways we've never done it before? The point is this. Are we open to hearing from God? Are we open to him leading us out of the familiar and the comfortable into something that could be greater than we've ever imagined? As a church or as individuals? 
what if the Holy Spirit started whispering to your heart about getting involved in a ministry in the church, something you've never done before? Or all of a sudden, he just starts planting that seed, right? Or maybe you're just, you're praying one day and thinking about things, and, and you get this crazy idea in your head about how to reach more people in our community for the Lord. And then you think, nah, I could never do that. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm too old, right? Or, or maybe just, no, I'm, I'm good where I'm at. I, I, I think things are fine right where I'm at. Think this morning about Moses. Moses was old. He couldn't speak well. Probably had some kind of speech impediment, maybe stuttered. He had a checkered past, right? And, and, and then here he is. Uh, he's, he's, he's on the opposite side of the desert. He's, he's got a new family. He's got a new career as a shepherd. Things are going well. Everything's fine. No problems. And then he meets God. And God gives him a new direction. And Moses goes back to Egypt and delivers a whole race of people out of slavery and bondage. How about Gideon? Gideon was a nobody. He was a fraidy cat. He was hiding, right? The Midianites had, had overrun Israel at this point in time. And, and every time they, they do something to try to, to try to get some food stored up, the Midianites come and they take the lion's share for themselves. So here, here he is in a wine vat trying to thresh out a little grain to make some bread, right? And, 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 and he's nobody. Not, nobody. He's not a strong guy. He's got nothing. And then he meets God. And God says, I'm going to use you to overthrow the Midianites. I'm going to use you to defeat this army. And with 300 men, Gideon becomes this mighty warrior general that defeats an army of 135,000 plus people, right? David, the little shepherd boy. Here the prophet Samuel comes to anoint one of Jesse's sons as king. David's not even invited. He's the youngest. He's the smallest. He's, he's taking care of the sheep. They, nobody would consider him anyway, right? They don't even invite him. God did. God knew his heart. And Mary. Think about Mary for a minute. In order to carry the son of God. Not only did she have to let go of her plans for a normal life with Joseph, but she risked being shunned or even stoned to death for being pregnant out of wedlock in her culture in that day. Peter, Andrew, James, John, right? When they heard the words, follow me, when they met him, they left their nets, right? Their fishing trade, their livelihood. They left it all behind and went to walk through the countryside learning from this rabbi named Jesus. So what's the common denominator in all these? 
you look at Dallas Jenkins, right? He's at, he's at the end, right? He thinks it's over. And then he talks to God or God talks to him, right? The Pharisees, the, the, the council, they, they, they have this incredible opportunity. They're at a crossroads. They need to make a decision. Unfortunately, they make the wrong one. All these um, biblical characters, Chuck Smith had a decision to make. Am I, am I going to keep a nice, a, a nice, wonderful church and, and congregation and, and retire here? Or am I going to embrace this plan of God that's bigger than anything I could have ever hoped for? The common denominator in all of these is, number one, a trust in the one who called and a willingness to sacrifice what they had to grab a hold of what God had for them with incredible results. The prophet Isaiah chapter 43 verse 19 says this, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. See, you and I, we serve a God who's limitless, right? And when we are in his hands, we are limitless. Don't ever count yourself out. Maybe God's giving you something. And if God's calling you to something, God is the one who enables you to get it done, right? That's how he gets the praise in the end anyway, but that's his MO. Look at it, Moses and David and Gideon and Mary and on and on and on and on. God takes the weak things of the world to confound the strong, the ignorant things to confound the wise. That's who he is. He takes the nobodies and does something. But are we willing to hear his voice and step out in faith? Are we willing, like Peter, to hear Jesus' voice, get out of the boat in order to walk on water? He was the only one, right? But because he got out of that comfortable boat, he did what no man ever before or since, has done and walked on the water. What does God have for you? What does God have for me? What does God have for us as a church? I don't know. But I do know that God has lofty plans. I do know that he has things that he wants to accomplish if only he can find people who will say, Yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your ways, right? Yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey. When your spirit speaks to me with my whole heart, I'll agree. And my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. What's God got for you, for me, for us? Let's be willing to let go of what is and grab a hold of what God has for us.
with all of our hearts. Amen. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you that you are a God of the impossible, that you use nobodies, that you use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And we do pray, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear. That, God, when you would speak to us, we would know it. Lord, would, would you, you, you know the struggles that we have. And we pray, God, that if you do have a plan for us, that you would speak, that you would confirm that thing, that we would know that we know that we know as um, different as it might be, as crazy as it might sound, as impossible as it might sound, we know that we know that we know that it's you. And then, Lord, give us the courage to step out in faith into the unknown because we hold the hand of the one who holds the universe. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. As the little boy Samuel said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Praise you. And we thank you. In your most awesome name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to share a song with you by way of video this morning. Uh, this was actually uh, filmed on the set of the series, The Chosen. And uh, I think these words will bless your heart. Today's closing song is called Get Used to Different by Mandisa. The YouTube URL is listed there on the screen. For those listening on the podcast, you can search Get Used to Different by Mandisa. I'm sure you'll find it. Stay tuned for my closing remarks. I like that song. I as, Even as I listened to it this morning, uh, it was kind of uh, like She's singing a song. I, I don't really get this, what's going on and everything. And then he's singing, of course, you know, he's playing the part of God there, but um, he's doing something new. And before you know it, they're singing the same song. She's grabbing a hold of what God's doing and beginning to flow with him. And I think that's the way it works. You know, we come to God, we, we're, we're, we're broken, we're lost, we, 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 we've not understanding and we thought this was going to happen or, or something. And then God begins to speak and then we join him in what he is doing. And then God does incredible things. Amen. So praise the Lord. He is good. And he's got good things in store for us. Amen. Amen.